Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joe, uh, and I've been coming to Gateway with my family for seven years now. Um, so we've been looking over the summer at this series of Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, and so far, we've looked at Moses, Jonah and Joseph. Um, so I'm going to be continuing this today, looking at Abraham uh, and specifically how a covenant that God makes with Abraham points us forward to Jesus. Um, a covenant is a solemn commitment to undertake an obligation. So an example of a covenant familiar with us today uh, would be the covenant of marriage, um, though I doubt any of us have had or are planning a wedding ceremony quite like this. Um, so if you have a Bible open, uh, we're going to be based in Genesis 15 this morning. Um, it's always been an ambition of mine to preach a sermon with three points um, that also alliterate. Uh, so for the note takers out there, we're going to be looking at three signs. Uh, the sign of the stars, the sign of the sacrifice, and lastly, the sign of the sacrament. That's the sign of the stars, the sign of the sacrifice, and the sign of the sacrament. So at this point in the story, uh, the man we know more commonly as Abraham is still called Abram. Uh, he's renamed Abraham later on. Uh, so this is Genesis 15, reading from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go back to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth, and through it we can know you more deeply. 
we ask that you would help us now to see and understand and see Jesus in the events of this passage this morning. Amen. All right, so at this point, some of you um, will be thinking, excellent, an opportunity for an exposition of the Abrahamic covenant, and he made the points alliterate. Uh, so a big shout out to both of you. Um, some of you will be wondering what on earth is going on in yet another obscure and arcane Old Testament passage, uh, whilst others of you, of course, will still just be wondering what on earth has happened to my teeth. Um, so let's get started with the first sign, uh, the sign of the stars. This is the sign of the stars. Uh, now we see from the first few verses of the passage that Abram is counted as righteous by faith. Uh, your reward shall be very great, promises God. Now God had first promised Abram that he would become a great nation back in Genesis 12. And in the story that follows, Abram has the opportunity to try to make himself into a great nation by a more straightforward and worldly route. But in Genesis 14, we can see Abram rejecting that path and turning away, choosing rather to wait for God's timing to fulfill his promise, his way. Uh, and it's following this that we pick up the story in Genesis 15 this morning, where God reassures Abram in his decision. Fear not, he says, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram has a question. What will you give me? because he's been waiting for God to fulfill his promise to make him into a great nation, but he's looking at the circumstances of his life. He's an old man, he and his wife have not been able to conceive, and all they have for an heir, never mind a nation, is this Eliezer of Damascus, who's most likely a servant of their household, and he just can't see it. And I wonder how many of us have been through times and seasons or as we've heard this morning, perhaps you're there right now where you're looking at God's promises over your life and you're looking at your circumstances and thinking, I just can't see it. Well, Abram believes, but just can't see it. And so God graciously adds a visual response with the sign of the stars. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So in doing this, God engages Abram's imagination. When he sees the stars, he sees the reality of God's promise. And we see this all through the Bible, what the author of the book of Hebrews calls types and shadows, things that aren't as good or as full as what is being promised, but just little pictures and glimpses for us to go back to when we go through trials and temptations or when our faith feels weak. And this sign of the stars, seeing his offspring being represented by what is so vastly numerous and high in the heavens, strengthens and confirms Abram's faith. And so he believes God and his faith is counted to him as righteousness. In the Old Testament, the righteous are those who should be acquitted by the judges in a legal context uh, and those who are saved by God. He's not described as doing righteousness, Although his faith does lead to righteous actions, as we heard recently in the sermon series on the book of James, but here it is his faith that is counted for righteousness. So this is our model uh, for our faith in Jesus. And this verse gets picked up in a few places in the New Testament. Um, for example, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 20, um, in Romans 4, sorry, beginning at verse 20, uh, no unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. 
That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And also in Galatians 3 verses 5 to 9, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So Abraham is our model as followers of Jesus for us to imitate. Um, whatever our circumstances, um, we must maintain our faith, our belief and our trust in God. Um, so back to Genesis 15 and the scene moves on with our second sign this morning, uh, the sign of the sacrifice, this is the sign of the sacrifice, where God once again makes a promise in verse 7. I am the Lord, he says, who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And once again, Abram has a question. O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And so it's pretty obvious what needs to happen now, right? We need to grab a load of livestock uh, for a sacrifice, cut them in half and lay out the pieces, of course. Um, and maybe an enormous mixed grill after church sounds like your perfect Sunday afternoon. Um, but we need to remember at this point that we're not Middle Bronze Age Mesopotamians. Uh, this is a known process for establishing a covenant that would have been familiar to Abraham. The two parties making a covenant like this, usually two kings establishing a treaty, would gather their people and then they'd take animals and cut them in two and lay out the pieces opposite each other to form a kind of walkway or gauntlet. Uh, and then the parties making the covenant would pass between the pieces of animal carcass to bind themselves with a curse. What it essentially meant was to say, if I break this covenant, may I become like one of these slaughtered animals. And the list of animals here in verse 9 uh, covers all the species that can be offered in sacrifice to God under the Old Testament law. We can see this from the book of Leviticus, which comes later on. Uh, when God is establishing the Israelite priesthood and sacrificial system. This shows us that all Israel, and by extension, all God's people are involved here. And Abraham sacrifices these animals. He prepares this covenant ritual and then waits for God to act. And while he's waiting, the birds come down to eat the carcasses and Abram has to drive them away. And we know from our own experience, don't we, that while we're watching and waiting for God to act, there are inevitably all sorts of distractions and diversions seeking to get the better of us. But we must drive them away, like Abram drives the birds away here. So the stage is set, the ritual is prepared, uh, but then Abram experiences something of a dark night of the soul. He falls into a deep sleep and there is a dreadful great darkness that falls upon him. And again, maybe you've been there where you're watching and waiting and your faith is stretched thinly and the darkness seems overwhelming, how am I to know? Well, all of this sets the scene of God moving in an awe-inspiring way. This is gaining our attention for his prophetic word in verse 13, know for certain, know for certain. 
And God gives Abram a glimpse into his ongoing plan from his offspring becoming the people of Israel enslaved in Egypt through the Exodus with Moses up to the conquest of the promised land by Joshua. And we can read about the fulfillment of this prophecy through the next few books of the Bible, showing us that in spite of all the hardship and uncertainty and at times severe suffering, God is in control. And in the darkness, Abram sees a smoking firepot and a flaming torch. Just when you thought this scene couldn't get any more bizarre, what is going on now? Well, this is known as a theophany, a theophany. It's a visual manifestation of the invisible God. And out of the dread and the darkness and the doubt, Abram sees the light. It says in Isaiah 62, verse 1, For Zion's sake I will not keep quiet, not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. And Abram sees the smoking firepot and the flaming torch pass between the pieces. This is God binding himself with a curse. If you notice, only God walks between the pieces. This does not depend on Abraham. At this point, he's just a butcher who's taken a nap. God is the one who promises to keep this covenant, whatever the cost, even if it costs him blood and death. Now, we've been in this series for a few weeks now, so I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this and how this is pointing forward to Jesus, the eternal son of God, one with the Father and the Spirit, who added humanity to his divinity and was born of the Virgin Mary as the man Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago. He lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sins with his arms stretched upon the cross, becoming like one of these slaughtered animals to keep the covenant promises of God. In the original language, God doesn't just make a covenant, but more literally, he cuts a covenant. And on the cross, God was cutting a new covenant, a better covenant in Jesus's blood. Uh, and this brings us to our third sign, the sign of the sacrament, the sign of the sacrament. And I'm talking here about communion or the Lord's Supper, when the body of Christ comes together to share the bread and the wine. Because just like when Abraham cuts these animals in two, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And this is our sign, like Abraham's stars, that we can look to and share with one another so that when we come with our questions, how Lord, why Lord, when Lord, just like Abraham's, what will you give me? How will I know? We can look to the bread and the wine and know that we are reconciled to God, that he is for us and not against us. Hallelujah. Can I get a muted amen? In the New Testament, in Luke's Gospel, chapter one, Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, speaking of the coming Messiah, this Jesus who is about to be born into the world, prophesies, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, 
to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So we see from the sign of the stars that God uses our imagination, informed by his word, to strengthen and confirm our faith. From the sign of the sacrifice and the covenant ritual, we see God taking upon himself the burden to fulfill his promises, whatever the cost. And in the sign of the sacrament, in the bread and wine of communion, we see that God's faithfulness to his covenant promise led the Lord Jesus up a hill outside Jerusalem with a cross on his back to have his body broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, so let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful to your covenants and that all the promises of God have their yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us now to rest on your promises and serve you without fear in holiness and righteousness before you all our days. Amen.